by saying that it's been a long time since I preached a sermon. I mean, I, three months isn't really that long of a time, but when you've gone from preaching every week to three months since your last sermon, it, it really feels like a long time. So we get to find out together whether or not I've gotten rusty over this time. <laughs> Um, but today I want to talk about thankfulness, particularly because we just had Thanksgiving. Uh, it was this week, we gathered together with family, and probably many of you took time to go around and say what you were thankful for, and I've been thinking about thankfulness a lot this past month and the things that I'm thankful for, and it also got me thinking about thankfulness itself as, a, as an idea, as a concept, and as an attitude and a mindset and things like that. And, and I began to think about the three different parts that make up being thankful and, and really what is necessary for us to show true thankfulness. And so I want to talk about those parts today. So let's jump into the first part, which is acceptance. Because in order to be thankful for anything in your life, you first have to accept that thing in your life. You can't reject it. You can't ignore it. You have to accept that it has been given to you or that it's simply in your life. And that might seem like, well, well, duh, of course you have to accept something in your life in order to be thankful for it. But the reason I bring it up is because there are some times when something is given to us or and I'm not just talking about material things either. It might just be like a compliment or encouragement, a word of encouragement, things like that that are given to us or that we come into in our life. And we don't always accept it. Sometimes we reject those things. Even though we know that they are good things and that are good for our lives, there can still be times when we don't accept those things, and there can be a lot of different reasons why. For instance, maybe we feel like we're not worthy of that thing, that we haven't earned it, we, we don't deserve it. I think that can happen a lot to any compliment or praise that we, that we receive from somebody, where they say, you're, you did a really great job on this thing, or, you know, I, I just think you're such a loving person, or you're such a great listener, Things like that that people will say to us, and because we know who we are, that sometimes we feel like we don't deserve that and that we're living a lie. In fact, it's often called imposter syndrome. It's got its own name, that we feel like an imposter because the person that people see seems like somebody different than who we really are. And sometimes that will lead us to not accept what someone is trying to give to us because we feel like we're not worthy of it. Or maybe we'll reject a gift that's being given, even a kind word, because of who it's coming from. And we don't like the person that's giving it to us. We don't like that person. We've never liked that person. We don't like anything about the person. And so even when they try to give us something that is good, we'll still reject it. Or maybe it really doesn't matter who it's coming from, but rather, what bothers us is the idea of something being given, and now we feel like we owe something back. And so in order to avoid that feeling of owing something back, we just say no to the blessing itself. But all of those things, all of those reasons why we might reject something good coming into our life, 
it cuts us off from so many good things. Sometimes good things that we've been craving and desire, but because we feel like we're not worthy of that, or we don't like the person it's coming from, we don't want to feel like we owe them something. Maybe they're trying to love us, trying to take care of us, and yet for those reasons we reject it, even though deep down we want that, we want to be loved. But we reject it anyway because it's not presented the way we want it to be presented. Now, you're not alone in this. Lots of people are like this. And the Bible gives us an example of somebody that has this exact same thing happen to them, that they are offered exactly what it is that they're looking for, and yet they reject it because it's not presented the way they want it to be presented. And this man is called Naaman. And the story of Naaman is found in 2 Kings chapter 5, but he was a man who had leprosy, right? His body was diseased, and he heard that there was a man of God that could heal him. And so in verse 9, let me read this, we see what he does with this information. It says, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha is the prophet of God. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry, and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman gives us the perfect example of a man who rejects the very gift he was looking for simply because it's not given to him the way that he thought it would be. You see, he had this idea in his mind of what the man of God should do. And this is how God needs to heal me. This is what God needs to do for me. And because it, didn't, it wasn't going to happen in the way that he thought it was going to, he became angry and at first rejected it. And thankfully, he had his servants there to convince him otherwise and to convince him to go ahead and go wash in the river anyway. Because then he was cleansed when he went and did that. But in order for Naaman to receive that gift of healing that Elisha was giving to him, he first needed to let go of his own expectations, of his own control of the situation. And it was only then, as he began to let go of those things, that he was then able to receive. And I've talked about that principle a few times, where you have to release what's in your hand in order to receive something into that hand. Oftentimes, God is waiting to give us things, but in order for him to give us those things, we need to let go of other things like 
control over a situation or how we want that blessing to be walked out, how we want to receive that thing. We need to let go of all of those things in order to receive and accept what is being given. I think I've told this story before, but it's a great story for this point about a a little boy who was praying that God would give him a bicycle. And throughout the course of that week, he comes across a job listing that it's a short week-long job that would give him the money he needs to buy that bicycle. And he says to himself, I don't need to work that job because I'm praying that God will give me a bicycle. And so he passes up that job that would give him the money he needed to buy one. And then he comes across a man who's got a little bit of an older bicycle. And the man offers that boy his bicycle. He says, here, you can have my old bicycle. You know, just put a new coat of paint on it. You know, tighten a few bolts and and it'll be great for you. And the boy responds, thank you, sir, but I don't need your bicycle because... I've already prayed that God will give me one. And at the end of this week, the boy's angry with God and and says, God, why didn't you give me the bicycle like I prayed for? And God says, I gave you two different opportunities for you to get that bicycle. And both times you walked away from it. I opened the door for you and you refused to walk through it. And that was because the boy, he wanted the bicycle He just didn't want to do any of the work. And he had in his mind an idea of how he was going to get that bicycle. Just like with Naaman, he had this idea of how Elisha was going to heal him. And when that didn't happen the exact same way they wanted it to happen, they rejected it rather than accepting it. Now, God usually doesn't work in the ways that we want him to work, because he works in the ways that he knows is best. And oftentimes the good that he gives us, it doesn't just magically show up at our doorstep in perfect gift wrapping. Oftentimes the blessings we receive from God come through messy situations. And so we need to learn to be accepting of those blessings and those gifts as well. So I'm going to call those messy blessings from God. And we need to be accepting of those messy blessings because even though they aren't nice and crisp and clean and perfect and just the way we want them to be, they're still blessings. They're still good. And if we refuse to accept them just because they don't happen the way that we want them to, all we're going to be doing is hurting ourselves by cutting out things in our life that would be good for us. Often because of what we're holding on to. So let go of those things we're holding on to that are harmful to us and accept the good that God is trying to give us even when they are messy blessings. So that's the first part of thankfulness is learning to be accepting of those things. The second part of thankfulness that I want to talk about is contentment. Being content with what we have. Because sometimes we accept the gift We accept the blessing, but we're still not satisfied with it, right? We still want more. And there's a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 20 that paints a perfect picture of not being content with what you have. Beginning at verse 1, Jesus talking here, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner 
who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing there. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So, when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who, would, who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? You see, the workers in this story received something that was good, and in addition to that, it was what they had agreed to receive for the work that they did. And yet, even though they got exactly what they wanted, they weren't happy with it still, because they felt like they were being treated unfairly. And unfairness, I think, is probably the number one feeling that takes away our contentment. When we feel like we've been cheated, we've been gypped, and somebody else has gotten a better deal than us, boy, that seems like an automatic way to make us dissatisfied with what we have. Because now, all of a sudden, we want the same kind of treatment, the same kind of lifestyle and situation as somebody else. Because we want things to be fair. But let me ask this question. Are you, listening to this episode right now, are you thankful for the grace of God in your life? Because the grace of God is when God gives us more than what we deserve. And we only deserve hell because of sin, right? We are all sinners, and the price of sin is hell, but thankfully, because of the mercy and grace of God, he gives us salvation that's free, so we're getting something that doesn't cost us anything. That's not fair. And yet, we love the grace of God because it is unfair. And in order to live in a world where there is grace, we have to accept that grace requires there to be unfairness in a situation. And so we really don't want things to just be fair. What we really want is things to be unfair in our favor. 
That's really what we want. We don't just want fairness. We want special treatment. And we only get angry about unfairness when we're on the negative side of that unfairness rather than the positive side of it. Because when we're on the positive side of the unfairness, we love it. And it's just when we're on the negative side that we hate it. But we have to remember, in order for us to get special treatment, that means that somebody else is being cheated. And if we are able to allow ourselves to be quote-unquote cheated because somebody else was treated with special favor then rather than getting angry about the situation, we can actually be thankful for what that person has received and the unfairness that they were given, that positive unfairness that they were given, even when it doesn't seem fair to us. And remember, in the parable of these, of these workers, they thought they'd been treated unfairly when, in fact, they had been treated completely fair. They agreed for a denarius, and they got a denarius. Completely fair. But what they were upset about was that somebody else was treated unfairly in a positive way. And I'm sure all of us have been there. I'm sure all of us have been at a job where it seems like a coworker is being treated with special favoritism over us. And boy, it just drives us insane. We hate that because... Why are they getting this special treatment that I don't have and we're angry about it because of how unfair it is? But you know when we're not upset about favoritism in the workplace? When we're the ones being favored. Or when we're the ones that are being given that second, third, fourth chance. Even though we really don't deserve it. But it's given to us anyway and how thankful are we for that? So here's what I want us to do. Rather than focusing on whether or not people are being treated fairly and focusing on the situation and the outcome, because when we focus on the outcomes and whether or not it's a fair outcome for everyone, it's going to be really hard to have any kind of contentment when we're focused on that. So rather than trying to secure our contentment in outcome, we want to secure our contentment through our integrity. And let me explain what I mean by that. And I'm using the word secure our contentment because our contentment shouldn't come from our integrity. It should come from the grace of God. That's where our contentment comes from. But I'm talking about securing our contentment. And the way that we do that is through our integrity. Because when we live an, a life of integrity of doing what is right, regardless of whether or not people are watching, when we're focused on that, then we aren't going to be jealous or envious about other people. We're going to be concerned with, am I doing what I need to be doing? Because if you have done what you know you needed to do, I guarantee you will always be able to walk away from that with contentment when you know that you did what you needed to do. Even if what you needed to do was to speak out against something that was unfair, but rather than saying, I'm only going to be content if the situation changes, to instead say, 
I'm content regardless of whether or not that situation changes because I know that I spoke out against it like I needed to. See, the focus shifts from the outcome to our actions, our integrity. Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I saying what I need to be saying? And am I not saying the things that I shouldn't be saying? Because if we focus on that, for one, it's going to help us keep ourselves in check to make sure that we are doing what we need to be doing, but also we'll be able to walk away from those situations content that we have done what we needed to do, regardless of what the outcome is. And that's how you secure your contentment. By saying, I did my part, and that's enough for me. And then anything that we do receive, in addition to that, will always be a blessing that we can take with thankfulness. And even if we don't receive anything positive from that, then our own integrity can be enough of saying, I did what I needed to do to be right in the eyes of God in this situation. And at the end of the day, his opinion is the only one that really matters. And if I know that I did right by him, I can walk away happy, regardless of what the outcome is. I can be content and thankful that I was able to do what I needed to do. Thankful for the grace of God, the strength that comes from His Spirit that helped me to do what was right, even though I probably didn't want to do that. I probably wanted to act selfishly, but by the grace of God and th by His strength, I did what was right in His eyes. And I can be thankful for that and content with that. So let's move on to the third part of thankfulness now, which is the part I'm most excited to talk about, which is appreciation. Thankfulness must include appreciation to be true thankfulness. Because when we appreciate something, that appreciation is really a call to action. It's saying that I'm not just going to receive this thing and be content with it. I'm going to show my appreciation for it. And in order to show that appreciation, you have to do something. You have to do something in return for that person that you're receiving that good thing from. And that's why I love this part of thankfulness so much is because it continues the good giving from one person to another. It doesn't just receive what is good and say this is enough for me, although both of those parts are very important for thankfulness, but it keeps it going. It doesn't stop with you. It's passed along to someone else, usually the person that you receive the good thing from, and that's okay. Sometimes it's passed on to someone else. That's okay too, as long as it's continually passed along and it doesn't stop with you. You need to show that appreciation for what has been done. Take, for example, Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was not able to have children, and it grieved her. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed 
that God would allow her to have a child. And God answered her prayer and gave her Samuel, gave her a son. And Hannah's response to this gift from God is to dedicate Samuel, to give him over to the temple so that he could be raised as a priest saying that I'm not even going to keep this son for myself. I am going to give it back to God. I'm going to give my son, my child, back to God to show my thankfulness for my son, whom I only have because of God. I'm not just going to be thankful for the gift. I'm going to show my appreciation by doing something to give back. And if we take that part away from our thankfulness, we take away the appreciation, we take away the giving of something back, even if it's just a simple thank you, when we take that away, we show that we are not truly thankful for what it is we've been given. I mean, imagine if your friend asked you to help them move, and so you took away time from your day time that you could have spent relaxing or doing literally anything else, but you took that time and went and helped your friend move. And at the end of helping them move, imagine if they just said, all right, see you later. Would you feel appreciated? <laughs> Would you feel like they were actually thankful for your help? Of course not you would feel like they really didn't care, that they weren't thankful for you, that they didn't appreciate what, you had, what you've done for them because they didn't show it in any way. And maybe they were. Maybe they truly did appreciate it, but because they never showed it, it sure didn't come off that way. Because when we are truly thankful for something, we want to show it in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's just saying thank you to the person, thank you, I really appreciate that, or saying, hey, if you stick around, I'll order pizza and we can have some pizza. You know, what, whatever. It's, it's some kind of giving back to show the appreciation you have for what that person gave to you. That's exactly what tithes and offerings are supposed to be. A recognition of what God has given to us, and just like Hannah with her son saying, God, I only have this because of you, and so I want to give some back to you for you to go out and do the work of your kingdom with it. It's that third part of thankfulness, of showing appreciation. And so as we take this time to be thankful, I want to encourage you to follow all three steps of thankfulness. To accept what is good, even if it comes from someone you don't like, or it's in some other way a messy blessing, accept it anyway. And be content with it. Don't focus on the outcome. Focus on your response. And are you doing what is right? Are you showing integrity in the situation? Because a part of that is showing appreciation as well. That's how contentment flows into appreciation, is by saying, I'm not going to demand more. In contrary, I'm going to give back. 
because of how content I am with what I have been given. That it's more than I require. Because I don't require for things to be unfair in my favor. I'm okay with fair treatment, and I'm even okay with other people being shown favoritism and and being given more than they deserve because I am thankful for grace in my life and I want to participate in more grace in the world. And so I'm not going to just focus on the outcome. I'm going to be content with what I have and in thankfulness for it, I am going to show appreciation back. And so I want to leave us with this kind of thought and this question to call us into action which is how can we show appreciation to the people around us? What are ways that we can give back to others who give to us, even if it's something we are used to receiving? Like we have a job and we get paid every week or every two weeks. We're used to that. That's the norm. And that's what they're supposed to do. You can still show appreciation for that because there are some people who don't even have that. And they would be so thankful if they could have just a steady job. So rather than just accepting it, and sometimes we're not even content with it, and we say, well, if I can just be content with that, boy, I'm really being thankful then. But don't stop with contentment. How can you show appreciation? How can you give back? Maybe it's just putting in that extra 10%. So you're giving it 100% instead of 90 day in and day out. Even on a Monday, still give it that 100% because you appreciate what you have. There are so many ways to show appreciation in our world and to show appreciation to the people around us. Let's make sure that our thankfulness doesn't stop at contentment, that it flows into appreciation as well. And then, of course, most importantly, how can you show that appreciation to God from whom all good things come from? So spend some time this week and consider that. How can you show appreciation to those around you? But until next time, that's today's sermon in the pocket. And it's great to be back. It's great to be preaching again. And I hope that this has sparked in you a call to action to walk in a way that is pleasing to God for his sake. And if you have any comments or questions for me, you can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. Even though I've started up my new ministry, Open Forum Ministries, I still check the Sermon in the Pocket emails as well. So if you were worried that I wasn't going to be checking that email anymore, don't worry. I still check it regularly. You can still reach me through that. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God continues to bless you as you go throughout your day.